1: Welcome to the Land and Legacy Podcast. We're your hosts, Adam Keith. And Matt Dye. This is your
0: number one resource for all things land. If you're interested in conservation, habitat management, hunting strategy, and rural real estate, this is the podcast for you.
1: Hey guys, welcome back to Land and Legacy Podcast here. Uh, Adam and Matt back in... My backyard. So if you get a little background noise, that's what it's about. The old um, studio. Yeah, Studio A. Um, I want to say something for uh, the last time because I apologize. I wasn't part of. I was on Dr. Will Goolsby. Yeah. And then I was not on the other one. I saw the topic. I have not listened to it.
0: Which Which one?
1: The one with Chad Boone and Crock. Booners
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. and. Boone and Crockett re- reverse engineering that map, like rethinking oh, okay. what you can gain from that map.
1: Okay. Um, <clears> okay. <throat> and I, and I'm saying this because I'm curious if anybody has ever heard of a thing about this. So when we were recording last time here, uh, two weeks ago or a week and a half ago, in the middle, you the, the 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 listeners may I don't know if they caught on or not, but I got pretty quiet in the middle of it, like. I started I started feeling sick, and shortly after, I mean, you guys hadn't even left my house yet, and I was in bed. Yeah. My daughter had a virus a few days before, seemed fine. Doctor said, once a fever breaks, 24 hours after that, you'll be fine. Well, I got a fever, and then not much of one, my wife informs me, but I still had it. It was still dinging fever, by the way. <laughs>
0: Let's get technical here. And...
1: uh I got a virus to where I lost the feeling in the tips of my fingers. And now it's down to where I only I can't feel the tips of my fingers on my, on my thumbs or my index fingers. And you can see it, Matt. But I'm also peeling skin off the tip of my finger. And it also came with a face rash. So any of you doctors and nurses, medical people that listen, because there's a bunch of you guys. Um,
0: it's called leprosy. Adam. Any ideas?
1: Because <laughs> I'm like... I kind of like the finger the feeling of my, I mean it's been a week over a week and I still don't yeah. have the feeling back in the tips of my fingers so it's very strange but yeah my apologies to you guys if you caught that uh in that podcast so we're back full energy today and uh going to cover a topic we have not covered uh so far on this on this uh podcast so um
0: I think it's know, a, I think it's a it's a topic though that everyone whether you're buying ground or thinking about adding new ground, they probably consider to some degree in their buying journey or, or their yep. their pursuit to own land, they've considered this. And I don't think that there's necessary, I guess if you're looking for a definitive answer at the end of this podcast, there's not going to be one, right? Because we're going to say it depends and all that. But there is a lot of different things portions of or whichever route you take, there's a lot of, I would say, wisdom and things that you can pick up on by listening to this podcast and then make your personal decision off of those two routes that we're going to lay out here.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's it's something, though, that, you know, you can... We're gonna weigh out all the different variables and and various things, but we get asked this, and I almost thought at one point this came through as a Facebook message or an Instagram message because guys had asked us about this mm-hmm. due to the fact that we're we're involved in real estate. Yeah. So we assist. Well, we've assisted several podcast listeners in buying ground, um, and we continue to do that, and we'll continue to do that even in the next in the future. Um, so you guys, if you are a listener and you're looking for land, understand that we have our real estate license and though we are licensed in Missouri, we can still help you in other states um, in a di- in a slightly different scenario of matter I showing up in the truck and unlocking the gate and driving you around like a showing like a buyer's <laughs> agent. Yeah. but we can still assist you and make sure you avoid those costly mistakes. So if you're interested in that, info at atlantalegacy.com dot tv dot tv soon to be soon to be dot com we have the rights we just haven't switched over yet but um Soon-to-be. anyway um but we get this question and you know i can immediately probably give you a, a long roundabout answer of it depends but let's let's jump into the fact I, uh, I guess before we do that though we need to update a little bit on hunting um you know we may we may cover more of that in the future. Oh, one other thing before I forget, Man, T-shirts you, on our on our website, okay, for the National yeah. Wildlife Cooperative, right? Um, the the Whitetail Manager's shirt, which yep. has a cool design. I have to unzip mine. Uh, mine's got um, it's a ice, deer. Mine's got ice cream and and snot for my youngest all Oliver, but and it's a day old, but. It's got a tape measure, a jawbone, spreader, oak leaf, ac- acorns, jawbone. Uh, axe,
0: gloves, gas A chainsaw,
1: can. drip torch, axe, a trail camera knife, gloves, gas tanks, binocular saws. A special request, working with Hunter, I said, and when he sent over a...
0: You wanted the pocket.
1: He he sent over, no, he sent over, uh, I added something added to this. I don't know if you know this, Matt, but um, and there's you bullets. Your, you
0: made, you mean, you yeah. made a request? I made a request. <laughs> there's soybean pods. Yeah, there's corn. There's corn. Oh, there's a trail camera at the bottom.
1: Yeah, I think that's what it there's is. There's a clover leaf somewhere, I thought. Yep, right there. The nose is a yep. clover leaf.
0: <laughs> yep. What do you think I added? Um, I don't know. It, and, and I, people are probably wondering what in the world you're talking Shop about. shoplandlegacy.com what, what I'm saying is like, but it's all, all these figures are laid out and designed in the shape of a deer. Oh yeah. So it's oh, like yeah. a deer, but yeah. all these land like,
1: management tools. Like the legs are a corn cob and a trail camera stacked on top of each other. Another leg is an axe handle and what are those three things. Shotgun shells? I think so. I'm calling
0: the shotgun shells.
1: Um, and then a knife <coughs> and rifle cartridges. And then the back leg is a, a saw, yeah. uh, like a handsaw.
0: Let's see.
1: And all this stuff is American-made. So the shirt is American-made fabric. The designer is in Idaho and then assembled or put together and shipped out of Tennessee. So everything's American-made about this. No idea. The ragweed leaf.
0: Oh, that's what it is. Yeah. Got it. Yep, that's a nice... That's a good little tail on the end of that deer. Yeah. But go check them out. And and wha- at the end of it, all the proceeds go to starting new cooperatives across the country. Yep. So when you buy that shirt, it's American-made, but then all the proceeds go to starting new cooperatives, um, which actually is a good tie-in to what it is we're kind of talking about. Oh, 100%. Today. 100%. That wasn't designed, but that it works well. Yep. Um, but, but basically, to... I feel you, like you Michael Scott a lot, and sometimes
1: I don't know what I'm going to say. I just start talking, and I don't know where it's going to end up. That's kind of – I, I, I just wanted to mention the shirt, and then it's like, oh, that's a good tie-in. So here we
0: go. But wait, wait, wait. There was also something else you said you wanted to talk about hunting or something. Oh,
1: yeah. Um, updating, you know, Chad and I pecking away at our, our doe harvest quota. Yeah. He harvested two the other night. Yeah. Um, so we've, we're up to three now. We're shooting for 15, we're not, hopeful. Not
0: two more than we we mentioned that on the oh, did you crockett okay. last week. So yep. not two more, but still those two. Um, but, yeah, chip, chipping away, getting there. Plugging away. Yep. A couple new bucks showed up on camera. One of them we have a history
1: with. He's a little bit bigger than this year or than last year. Uh, don't know if he quite meets the caliber that my dad's looking for. Since he, he passed him picky? last year. He got picky last year. The thing walked right out in front of him in, a, in the blind. That's Set right, him down, in, the down in the redneck during gun out. season. Like, if this buck shows up, shoot him. Nah, he's not quite as big as I as you might think. I know how big he is. <laughs> shoot him.
0: Yeah. All yours. Green light. He's he's
1: and he's running all over the place, probably beating up a bunch of other bucks. So just go ahead and get rid of him. And uh He'd be one a nice buck for dad, good mass, everything, but he's a little bit
0: better this year, so. Maybe that'll trip his trigger.
1: Yeah, and we're hopeful we can get him with a crossbow for dad, so. mm mm-hmm. um, Yeah, That's plugging your away. dad been out yet? No. He uh-uh. yeah, not been out. Okay. No. Yep, and you plugged away. Yeah. Um, a really unconventional Yesterday or two hat. days?
0: Hunt. Yeah, yesterday. I didn't even make it to the tree stand, and deer were already in the field at Well, like four, don't share it here. You may share top. it on the other podcast this week, But so. it, oh crazy but yeah it was fortunate to that been out a time or two with uh with seth and mm, his, his son, son yep. his son this past week you guys may have seen on social media harvested a really nice deer um from old trusty tree stand that that boy has killed three bucks in the last two years i think right there out of pretty much the same scrape yeah silly so um old reliable tree and um uh, that will definitely probably be the next the next uh, podcast topic. That's a good hunt to, to review. Um, so, yeah, but it is cool, whether it's scrapes on cameras or just watching some bucks and their activity, definitely increasing some daylight movement in the mornings, but then scraping activity, starting to heat up, it seems like, um, across a couple different properties. You know, you guys on your cameras, um, a little bit south, but then... Seth sent me several photos today of, of daylight deer from last evening and then this morning checking scrapes, running scrape blinds, and so it's it's cranking up. It's getting to be that late October time frame, and that's no always fun. A lot of anticipation building and um, kind of seeing what other shifts are going to move, whether it's ranges or just an increase in that activity, which means more opportunities for harvesting. So, it's fun. And the leaves are starting to turn around here, too, finally. Have you noticed in, like, the last two days? While well, well, we're sitting here the in the backyard in the big post
1: oak, you yep. know, they're kind of yellowing. Yep. brown, and Finally getting here. The, you know, they're laying on, there's several laying on the ground. So, hickories are really turning. Um, you know, the next two weeks will be peak, I oh, would yeah. say. Yeah. Um, which is the last week and first half of, first
0: First part of November.
1: First part of November. So
0: crazy to even say this October has just flown by. Yeah, no doubt. <laughs> well, but let's let's jump into the topic. Yeah. So we talked about the co-ops and then and then hinted on the subject for this week, but essentially the question that we get often and that we're talking about today is: Would you rather purchase a property? In a good neighborhood or a good cooperative, or would you rather buy property in an unknown neighborhood and begin developing your property and neighborhood around that baseline, start from scratch, get started, and and build it?
1: Yeah. There's good and bad with each. There's absolutely pros and cons and i think i would start out by saying that the goal should always be i want to be part of a good neighborhood
0: <laughs> that's the that's the final destination for pretty much anyone who's buying recreational land and
1: and so i first we need to define what a good neighborhood is and you know good is just kind of a very broad term so but it's uh, a term that's used a lot what though. is a good Neighborhood, as far as a recreational landowner who's wanting to hunt and enjoy the outdoors. And to me, a good neighborhood is one where you have like minded neighbors, preferably less people than more. So everyone's got a bigger track.
0: Right. And less actual. And so, like, for me,
1: I would like to think that all my neighbors are. You know they don't have to be, but if I'm if, if it's a perfect world, which we can go down that route here, everybody's like I'm shooting mature bucks and lots of does. I'd right. be like, and minus the guests that come in and hunt, the kids and the and the first time hunters, they they kind of have free reign. But for the most part, we're all shooting bigger age or older age class bucks. We're trying to grow them bigger, and we're going to shoot a pile of does. That's me in a perfect world.
0: And I think that's essentially what everyone would classify as a yeah. good neighborhood. That's that's and working together for a common goal for, for
1: whitetail, and then everybody's pitching in and doing their part in
0: habitat management. And I think that's what is is not calculated into a neighborhood uh, feeling that that really should be. You yeah. know, when everyone talks about neighborhood, it's okay. What's the harvest? What's the harvest like? Age structure and overall herd numbers is a huge equation that should be factored into it and that's that's the primary one that everyone is determining good or bad neighborhood by but i want to see in a neighborhood situation also a lot of disturbances whether it's the use of prescribed fire you can see it off gravel roads or whether it's log logging or past history of logging Um, if it's got cattle rotational grazing if it's got crop it's got cover crops Right on, right on. So, so are all these practices also good land management practices that are occurring in a neighborhood? Um, and sometimes, I don't know what's more difficult to get going. Honestly, is it is it more difficult to get people to start harvesting deer, all at the relative same age, older age class, shooting does, or? is it more difficult to get people started doing consistent habitat work, not just dabbling, but like consistent, intentional, mm-hmm. we're all we're all rallying around this thing and we're going to get after it.
1: I think it's harder to get people to do the habitat side than it is to do the hunting side of, the, of shooting older age guys. I agree. Because a lot of people are already doing that. It's not very hard for guys to be like, "I'll oh, pass that deer," "I'll oh, pass that deer," right? But to get them to be like, "I need to learn how to run a drip torch and burn and not burn my neighbor's place," I need to, I need to be okay with timber harvesting. I need to be
0: comfortable with cutting trees and dropping them and yeah. letting them lay if they're uh, not of marketable timber. Yeah, like that hurdle, I think, is more difficult to get on board with. And look for and find in a neighborhood type situation. I think it's, Mm
1: -hmm. I talk pretty harsh towards the hunting industry the last 30 years, especially 30 years to nowhere. That podcast we did about, I don't know, a few months back. A couple months. Because I feel that passionately about the direction that the hunting industry has sent us down when it comes to managing property for white-tailed deer or all wildlife. Yep. Um, I mean, you can bounce from one opinion to the next, and they're all varying, and a lot of them are heavily influenced with products, product and sponsorships. And that's one of the problems we've faced. Now, I also believe that there's kind of a correlation with The more focused on older age class bucks a person gets, the less focused I see them on harvesting does and thinning the herd. For sure. Because once you get a big deer on the property, it's like don't do anything to disturb it and cause this deer to leave. Then immediately you step back and let the deer herd. It's like kill them yourself or I guess kill them with, overpopulation and ehd and all the other problems that come with heavy heavy uh with too high of a population and and i think that's where that's one of the biggest problems guys face and how you can quickly see a good neighborhood turn into a okay neighborhood
0: well and i think that's what that's one of the the cons of looking at a good neighborhood because what I don't think people, let's say, calculate is, okay, it's good or it's been good, so deer good deer that's what we're determining by, have been harvested. I'm not concerned about if they've been harvested as much as will this neighborhood is it sustainable? Yep. Is it sustainable? And I think that when more neighbors are seen these these top end quality deer being shot, everyone gets hands off type of approach when it comes to actually the herd management. Where the the shift goes from not managing the herd, but to managing the one percent of the herd. Yeah. And when that happens, it's only a matter of time before that top one percent is not a t- top one percent anymore. A like 100%. the quality goes down. So so I think when you're looking at determining or 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 buying into a good neighborhood that has history you really need to kind of check the pulse of overall deer management and not just say wow there's been a couple 180s or or a couple 200s have been killed out of this region but what's happening on a greater scale are people participating in deer management um are they participating in land management practices and what's the future of that area are yeah. more people like yourself going to go in and buy maybe you're a non-resident and you go in and buy one of these into one of these neighborhoods or counties or regions of a state and and now this area has got a lot of potentially non-resident landowners and I, we work with non-resident landowners all the time so it's not a, it's not a dig on anybody who doesn't live on the property that they hunt but the amount of time that you can spend either working on that property or managing that herd is drastically reduced if you're not a resident of that area. And so, you know, what's the weight of all of that? Well, to, to me, it means in a five-year's time frame, in a 10-year's time frame, is what we're seeing happening recently in the past couple of seasons, is it going to be able to continue at the same degree? Yeah, and I think that yeah. I think the answer in a lot of places it is no. I I think that shift is maybe it's been discovered and now it's getting hunted really hard, and then mm-hmm. that herd management aspect of things gets put off to the to the outside or the, the fringes of what's. The reason for buying that property. Yeah. There's nothing wrong with buying a property and, and trying to harvest and and shoot top and deer, not yeah. whatsoever. But when you take the neighborhood, and that's the only focus or the only time <laughs> devoted to the hunting is is yeah. in that, then you start to decrease in the value. It's a, a
1: three-headed monster when it <coughs> comes to. If your goals are giant bucks and and sustainable, where year after year after year you have a giant buck, or every two years you have a giant, because you need, and so by definition to me would be a good neighborhood is one that all the neighbors are working together to improve habitat, whether they're using timber sales or timber thinning, TSI, FSI, uh prescribed fire prescribed fire managing invasives they're doing that and then they're also and and this one's a little bit tough because some guys just hate this but they're also focused on mature deer only they're they're trying to you know four and a half or older five and a half or older and then the other thing that's one of the most overlooked is managing the deer herd and there's that – we talk about it a lot, but there's that relationship where when you increase the amount of – or the quality of the habitat, the deer population numbers increase right they're, – they're like riding the coattails. And so many times, you increase the – I've seen this personally on many – on multiple neighborhoods where you see the person buy or gain access and start improving – the quality of the habitat, and neighbors are, and they all start noticing that, hey, we stopped shooting young bucks, and the size of the deer is going up, but then they stop shooting does, and then the size of the deer goes down, Yep. and for so sure. a good neighborhood to me would be, like for Chad and I in our, our neighborhood, we're improving the habitat, we're increasing the amount of forage per acre, we're increasing the amount of usable space For many wildlife species, we're diversifying the place. We know that because we're not going to shoot young deer, we'll have bigger deer because there's more uh, nutrients, more forage available, more cover available. We have the ability to get older age class bucks, plus we're not going to shoot them when they're young. But then most importantly, we have to stay on top of the does. We're working with our neighbors, trying to get them to shoot more does. But if we only did the first two, we would go pew, we would... I mean it'd be a line graph that increased and then started to dropping off.
0: I, I think that
1: And and you know what the thing is that most people experiment I don't like or, the way you're pointing your finger you know, at me I'm, like that <laughs> you're shaking. You that. know what most people see if you look at that line graph of the let's just say the the quality of the white tails, quality of the deer, meaning yeah. they're 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 fat, they're happy, antlers are increasing or or are, are getting bigger, they're gonna see that line graph rising. And then they'll see it
0: falling. And the next time they see that line graph rising... It was after a major... <laughs> EHD! <laughs> yeah, a major uh, disease outbreak or or a sharp drop for some or reason. Or a, uh, a huge timber
1: sale. Or a tornado comes through and levels a yeah. huge chunk of timber. Or a big fire. Uh, something almost catastrophic for a lot of people.
0: Well, and, and everything about... Ecology is is cyclical. There's highs and lows and troughs. But if I'm in a neighborhood, I don't want to see peaks and valleys. I want to see or if you a do, peak. they're small. Yeah, I, but I want to see a plateau, and and I would be much more satisfied with the plateau of of harvesting older age class deer consistently, but having just really solid deer than every once in a while a two hundo gets killed or something yeah. like that. You know what I mean? Like, I would much rather see and know that, okay, baseline population, when a deer gets to this age, they're a really solid animal or have the potential to be, and we're seeing that across the board. Not just what, what I'm harvesting, but what my neighbors are harvesting too. I want them to be successful because that means that they're going to work just as hard as me to try and achieve something. But, yeah. but if – and this is the con, honestly, of – or the balance but it is a con of starting a co-op let's say you go in and you buy a, a decent chunk of ground and you start implementing these practices you're passing deer you're sharing that your communication is really up there with neighbors um and and you're working hard you're doing different things on the property you're manipulating it and and Doing techniques that maybe the neighborhood just flat out and these owners have never seen. They're just shocked. Like, what are you doing? They just don't know. But when you start being successful and there's not success around you, there, there can that can essentially, you're creating an environment potentially to breed jealousy. Yep. And where some people are upset because you're having success and they're not. That's not on you. You're doing... And you're 100 percent in control of your own property. Um, kudos to you, but that's a teaching moment to the neighborhood to say, "Hey, listen, guys, I don't want to. Sh- I don't want to have this resource just to myself. Yeah, I-, I want everyone to be able to experience that. But to do it, we've all got to do the same types of practices. So, yeah. whether you're whether you're looking into that situation, um, and it doesn't always have to be like that, and not every neighbor is gonna. Be jealous yeah. of your success, but but I would just be straight up, forward, and honest with someone. If I'm going into a neighborhood and I want a new new place, excuse me, that doesn't have history or or great history, from the get go, I would just be really clear of what my object, objectives are. Yeah, and so, so there, that doesn't breed that jealousy. I had, and lack had of communication
1: a conversations with a couple of our neighbors about big scale habitat projects. It didn't go so hot. Um, one Which of them, is going to happen. Yeah, one of them. And, and that's the thing. You know, We're in a neighborhood where nobody ever comes down here and starts saying, we're managing for deer, and all the neighbors are like, oh, wow, they really got a thing going. We've had people move in. They're like, yeah, I'm managing for deer. I'm from the city. And they put in food plots, and they don't really change anything. Like, as far as the size of the deer or anything, they just maybe kill them a little bit more because they're more focused on deer hunting than the previous landowner was. Right. Now, what my conversations were was we've got a logging operation going on right now, which is phenomenal. I mean, I've sent you some pictures of what we're seeing. It's just amazing Um, the, the plant response as well as the amount of strategically placed future bedding areas, which are one of the best things. Uh, we got going for us and anyway um one of them's his turn his words for uh would you like to talk to my logger maybe have a potential timber harvest quote absolutely not end quote i was like okay well i just wanted to extend the hand he was super nice great guy but he didn't want any part of it and he owns a couple hundred acres of timber
0: Adjacent.
1: Uh, adjacent to me. and, and that's the, the other way. one I talked to about using fire, I wanted to burn his place. Like, he didn't have to do anything. I was yeah, just going to burn the, his place. Right. And he's terrified of fire because he comes from the west. Mm-hmm. He's like, fire just scares me. I don't want to kill the trees. Okay. You don't, that's, but I do. No, <laughs> that's, no but. Uh, <laughs> that's a whole different conversation than we're going to have if you think fire is going to kill the trees around here. So Well.
0: And, and, and that what you just laid out right there is the potential con or the learning curve that has to happen if you're going in and starting a new cooperative or a new neighborhood. Those are the challenges that you're going to face. And sometimes it does take you to be successful perpetually over the course of many years for someone to say, to almost let the guard down and realize that, okay... Whatever is happening there, whether it be fire, whether it be timber harvest, I know that it's working for what it is that they want to achieve. And and if I want the same thing, I'm either going to have to realize that they're going to continue to be successful, or I just need to get on board and do similar things and realize that we can multiply
1: you know, this success out there. And that's one of the great things that you see with people who really... Uh, like our buddy, Seth Harker, you know, he's killed some really good deer over the years and a lot of his neighbors are now on board because they want what he has. Correct. So if you are in a neighborhood that you're, you know, you don't get to pick, you're dealt the cards that you're dealt. Your neighbors are your neighbors. Your neighbors are your neighbors. You're not going anywhere. It's time to step up and create something that they want. And then if you have that, you have a much better case at getting them on board and doing the things you're doing rather than. Going into it, saying, "Hey, you need to be doing all this," and they're like, "I'm killing the same caliber of deer you're killing."
0: Yeah. Well, the, my when well, my favorite phrase and I'm not working re- at it regarding this topic is is proof is in the pudding. Yeah. Like you got to show somebody a different result for them to be encouraged to get on board and do something. If you're if again if if your average area deer is 140 inches and you're pumping out 140 inch deer all the time too what's the point yeah but if you start cranking out 150s 160s 170s on the best deer in the neighborhood you know you're
1: killing the 120 or the the, the 130 or the 140 that's in the neighborhood and everybody's like well you saw a really nice 10 pointer and you know he's that one and you're the one killing him
0: that's another way yeah absolutely um and, and and i guess another kind of component of all of this is generally when a neighborhood has been discovered. And and I know that term is utilized a lot in real estate, real estate listings and such, but when there is a good neighborhood and it can be again counties or regions of states, but when you're when you're buying you have to expect a higher price. Yeah, as well. So that's another component of okay, if you're going to buy you're probably going to pay more for one in a really good productive area versus one in a less productive or less known area. And I don't I don't say productive like that one can't be productive more than the other. I mean it that it's just got the history of being productive for killing bigger deer. But you're going to have to probably in most situations in a known area pay for it opposed to maybe getting more ground, more land in a undiscovered area, creating your own. So, which brings me I guess to another point. If I'm in the position to buy 80 acres in a really good neighborhood. Well, I guess I should rephrase that. If I'm going to buy in a really good neighborhood, I think I would want to buy a smaller chunk. Yeah, opposed or, or if I'm going to start
1: my my own neighborhood? neighborhood,
0: I don't want a smaller type chunk. I would oh. want a bigger type chunk to prove the process, to prove what it is you're doing, so that you can have an age structure to begin yeah. to develop and influence that neighborhood deer herd more. So if you're looking at these two different situations, you're like, well, you know. I'm I'm looking at a 40 or an 80. Um maybe that appealing of the history of a neighborhood is going to be better suited for you because it is a smaller chunk and you're surrounded by people who are, who are doing great. But if you're in a looking for a larger parcel, 400 plus, I probably wouldn't be afraid to go outside of a known area and purchase a place and start from scratch.
1: Yeah. I'm yeah. not saying one is... I think of some of the best, some of the neighborhoods we've worked in, <coughs> where there's pretty well-known people in them that kill really, really good deer. And I think of, yeah, that guy right there, he killed a... Whatever. Yeah. 180, and he only owns 60 acres right there. Right. Like, that dude is right there in the heart of it. Well, and that's the thing. And you I could think own. of other guys who own 2,000 acres, and you're like, you're killing a deer just like everybody else who's killing a buck around here. Like, you're yep. not doing anything special other than paying for it because you own a lot more ground.
0: Well, and that's the thing. When when you own a ton of land, sure, it gives I think it gives you a cushion, but it takes a lot I mean, a lot to manage two thousand acres yep. yearly, annual, you know, annually, day in and day out. There's work that needs to be done to to have two thousand really productive acres. I mean that that's probably multi multiple people on staff to do that kind of thing. Yeah. I mean, you got to be optimizing your burn windows, treating invasives, just road mains, all that stuff. So there's so many different components into all this the scenario that that you play out but adam let's say you're you've you're going to buy a you're going to buy an, an 80 somewhere an 80 acre parcel what's your position what do you think
1: i'm going with a good neighborhood i'm going to look around and see if i can find preferably landowners that i know have a history with killing good deer or a history of doing really good work. Ideally, they have a history of doing really good work and having really good deer on camera, and they don't know how to kill them. <laughs> that's, that's, a, that's perfect. A, that's a perfect scenario. Um, and they can be found. Yeah, and <laughs> so I'm looking for those areas. Or I'm looking at the overall landscape and the habitat and saying, I can you know see what? Here. This is a very diverse ecosystem. There's a lot of really good stuff going on. There's some... There's some uh, logging operations going on. There's people using fire still. Um, it's not full of invasives. And I could say this is a good neighborhood not even knowing any landowners. Oh, I could yeah, say sure. this is a good neighborhood. Like
0: you know that a deer likely can get to age in yeah. an area. Yeah, and That's one of the other things, too, that I
1: think. is there a Is there a shooting house at the edge of every field? Right, right, right.
0: Um with propane cans laying underneath it. Topography also when you get to into some steeper areas Yeah. I think that there's a drastic correlation between areas of pretty intense topography and having I'm gonna sneeze here, hold on. Yeah. But having older age class deer in the herd. Whenever you start getting some serious relief in the ground, the way it lays, deer get a little bit older. There's, there's, they use it better. I think the thermals work to their advantage and less to the hunter. I think, I think a lot of times, areas of topo- topography get hunted completely wrong or com- poorly, and yep. it's advantageous for deer. Therefore, they get older. So that's another component that I'd be looking into um, in a. Uh, in a smaller-type track, or, or hey, I, I want this neighborhood, I'm not shying away from something that's got quite a bit of uh, topography on it because I'm thinking, well, shoot, that's probably where they go to when pressure gets up. Yeah, That's where they're going. You might not be feeding late season on that property, but, oh, well, I'm going to hold them.
1: Yeah. I, I think one thing, you know, looking at a couple of real estate listings here recently, you can look around – And see the farms where you're like, their access is horrible. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Even if they do have a good buck on there, there's a very good chance they're going to blow it out of there trying to access it. Yep. So you might as well either, it's either positive or neutral to Mm -hmm. me. It's like positive that they try to hunt it and they blow them, they stink up the place. Or it's neutral in the fact that they just don't hunt it because the access is terrible. So it might as well be acres that are lost. Right, right. And, and so finding those. So, like, you know, I have one neighbor that I can think of where his access isn't great. Yeah. And it's like, hey, that's kind of a benefit there. Like, even though he may not hunt the way I want,
0: his access is terrible. Well, to kind of put the last two points together in a scenario, I was just up on uh, a property in uh, western Iowa. And it was a little funny shape. But there was a, a portion of the property that was very steep, um, had some serious topography um, that really didn't show up to the degree that it was actually present um, on, on the maps that we were using. And that neighbor that it backed up to on that corner, another very unique shaped property. But the only way for them, and, and I would say the, the majority of the topography and Denser cover um, was on that property, but yep. the only way, if he was a hunter, was to come and snake through the very bottom and work up through the bottom through the fingers to get on the, some ridge tops that that were on that property. Yep. and it was going to be a total blowout situation if there are deer, which they're going to be big deer coming off that place. They're they're going to come on to the property that we were looking at. Like yep. it worked out. From a, from a great standpoint that we can access that area, hunt it on the west-northwest wind, use that topography to push everything this way, and if there is presence of a neighbor that is putting pressure, hunting pressure, mm-hmm. it's only going to help us and make us look really, really good when we treat this perfectly. Yep. So it, it was a great storm, um, but that access was the was total give away on that other property. It's like, uh, it's not really a threat that they might have and hold some deer. not going to bother me at all. No doubt. Yeah. So, so there's uh, so many different type of components to weigh in on yep. whether you buy in a really good neighborhood or you start your own. Yep. I will say, if you're starting your own, <laughs> what would you say, there, time frame-wise... Would be expected to see really Mm. good results if you are managing the land intensely? That's a loaded question. I get it. But I kind of have. I mean, if you're going to notice deer
1: patterns, deer movement patterns, you can see it overnight. You can see it within the week. You can see it, especially in the month. Just because you can go in and blow things up and do some things and swing a two handed sword. Metaphorically, and just change everything. Yeah. Just go crazy like Braveheart. Um, now, if it's, I'm going to see the amount of deer increase, you can see that in a year. If I'm going to see the size of the antlers or the
0: body shape, that's going to take some time. Yeah. I was just going to say, age structure is the last thing to develop. Yeah. Because obviously, if you want to get a four and a half year old deer on really good groceries, guess how long it takes? Yeah. <laughs> it takes a good while. Almost two generations right. typically is what Absolutely. the research like, is finding, Two so. two cohorts to get there. So you're looking at potentially eight or ten years to see the final product, let's yeah. say, a peak land management. And that's if you can manage that whole piece to the degree, get it where you want to and that research in ten years. was
1: taking a tiny little Sure. Tiny little deer, and trying to make it of a a, a a really nice like where it's almost unrecognizable from where it came from. Sure. So taking a a, a native, and I say that loosely, a a, a Resident- deer that a, a residential genetic deer, and then taking him and increasing the amount of antlers or the size shouldn't take
0: as long, um, but it still takes eight years to grow a to get one deer a mature deer to give birth to another one that gets mature. That that period is Or you can look
1: at a doe and say, year and a half old, gives birth, but she needs to spend her life on really good... Really good groceries.
0: She's still passing the same genetics, whether she's one and a half or four and a half, but over the course of time, that degree of, let's say, quality, I think, is going to only increase the longer that you own the place if you're keeping up with, again, the land and you're managing that herd. Yep. And I'm not going to say you t- it takes eight years to kill a really good deer in an, er- in an unknown area. That's not yeah. the case whatsoever. But consistency and the state stability of doing that only increases when you get into that window, I would say. Mm-hmm. So yeah. I think that everyone... It's, a, it's almost like a manager expectation, whether whatever situation you're in. Buying into a neighborhood, you got to know that you got probably got to get on neighbors that are not shooting does, and then if you're buying into an unknown neighborhood, this is the situation that you're looking at. yeah Hopefully that irons some things out for people who might you be know, in that.
1: You can look at everything glass half full. You can look around and say, you know, I'm, 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 I'm in a bad neighborhood, but I'm going to be the beacon, and I'm going to change things. Or you can look around and say... I'm in a really good neighborhood, and I'm going to give them the limited supply, and I'm going to own the deer in this part of the good neighborhood. Right, that'd be awesome. Yep. Each person's different. Like for me, obviously, I'm not in a great neighborhood, but right. I'm trying to build that, and right. we have enough acreage that I think we can make a decent a, a decent shift, and so. I don't know, man. It's, and, and it's interesting. What? Hopefully, people can... You should be thrilled either way if you own land.
0: Absolutely. I mean, this is first world problems here yep. we're talking about. But but neighbors do change. People do sell. People do move on. Um, so even if you're in... Or you got those tough relationships, um, they change Money over time. Money talks. Buy them out. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Um, so again, hopefully that allowed some people to help weigh out their scenarios that they find themselves in or, or the direction that they want to go in. Um, this is where I not, enjoy a, the not a
1: wrong route. real estate side for, for listeners who are like, I want to find the neighborhood to get started in. Ideally you find really good habitat. Yeah. But nobody knows it's a great neighborhood. Yeah. I, absolutely. And so the price is low. And then you come in and it's just like,
0: Woo! You I look like get a million it done bucks. Here. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. And yeah. then, or they're the process, already
1: here, and I'm just going to make it even better, and make yeah. it killable. And then you start
0: buying all the other pieces. And then yeah. And
1: yeah. then all of a sudden, people <laughs> find out. They're like, "Hey, that's a really good neighborhood." And it. Yeah. Right. Good luck buying in there. They already bought everything. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah but that's uh, my
0: approach. That's why would you buy Doug? No I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Nobody will buy there. <laughs> I've started
1: calling it Doug County. By the way, Doug. Why is Because Douglas is way too fancy for what well, it is. It certainly is not a Douglas. It's like uh Joe Dirt. Joe Dierte? Joe Dierte. <laughs> quit trying to church it up. <laughs> yeah. Don't you mean Joe Dirt? No. Uh, well, it's Douglas County. No, quit trying to church it up. Doug. It's Doug County.
0: Old Doug County. <laughs> yeah. No, I believe that. But um no, that's the cool thing about not this. Not even spelled
1: <laughs> right, just D U G. Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah. Forget the l yeah, dug, like you're trying to dig out <laughs> done dug out, oh yeah. man, so yeah. that that is the fun thing about land. you can play all these scenarios out um but but those are those are the I would say what most people are gonna fall into the categories of the situations that they may find themselves in if you're comparing buying in or starting in on your own cooperative, just don't forget that um we're here to help and if you guys need assistance in that um we're just an email away and uh we appreciate everyone listening best wishes out in the tree in the deer woods this coming week we'll catch you back here next week guys